so I can tell you this is Interfaith Talk Radio, being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide, streaming at interfaithtalkradio.com and listening at 1150 Alternative Talk AM. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon. I am Rabbi of Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue here in Seattle. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church in Seattle. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ in Seattle. And you're, you can't tell this, but when Pastor Don says that, he smiles. <laughs> and, and we're glad to be here with you, especially glad after the experience we had last week. I don't know if you remember last week, Monday was the day the snow or the evening that the snow started. It took some of us, uh, like you listening, a long time to get home that night. And we had planned this wonderful... Uh, taping and live show with a real live audience that was to be done from Pastor Don's sanctuary at the United Congregational at the University Congregational United Church of Christ and lo and behold no matter what was tried our um, brave uh, engineer was unable to make all the equipment connect and we were not able to do the taping and then we were not able to do the live show so for those of you who are listening you heard two weeks the show two weeks ago repeated twice so that might have been a surprise you might have had various experiences of deja vu uh, probably even having some clairvoyant notion of what was going to be said next but we hope that that won't be your experience with us tonight. So but the, the blessing was that we got out in time, meaning it was snowing so heavily that, it's had, true. The, that had the show actually happened, we'd have been really trapped it is by true. the snow. See, there you go. <laughs> There's, uh, one would say, a silver lining yes. or yeah. a blessing. Blessing and a curse, yeah. And so maybe Eric did it Even on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd like to remind you that we seek to encourage an interactive show as we pursue issues of interfaith spirituality so that you're welcome to call in with questions um, or comments. You can reach us when we are uh, on the air at 425 425-373-5527, 425-373-5527. I'm sure all of you will write that on your radios so that um, you'll have it handy in the event you are stimulated to join us in this conversation. From Western Washington, you can call toll-free on an 888 number, which is 888-298-5569. So... Welcome to our conversation tonight. We are going to be focusing on the nature of spiritual awakening, which underlies, obviously, all the conversations that we have. We understand that faith and interfaith have an outer as well as an inner dimension. 
And spirituality is an exploration of the inner aspect of faith and the inner aspect as well of the interfaith quest. Perhaps we focus on the, inter, on the inner realm at this time to help us prepare for the darker days mm. of winter, to help us appreciate the light wherever it is illuminated in these darker days. Every tradition provides paradigms for the spiritual as well as the physical journey. And we will be looking at a few of these today and seeking their relevance for our own quest. So I wonder, Brother Jamal, if you want to begin with, like, what do you consider in the Islamic tradition to be a paradigm of a spiritual journey that followers of Islam are themselves urged to take? Uh, well, my dear brothers, I think the metaphor or the paradigm is what is called the miraj, which is an Arabic word meaning the night journey. Uh, the Isra, miraj, that's when Prophet Muhammad had this vision of being transported, first of all, horizontally from Mecca to Jerusalem, and from there he ascended seven levels of heaven. And that's the paradigm, that you, when you ascend, your soul ascends, you are attaining a proximity to divine light. And to do that, of course, is the entire work of awakening. And the very first step, and I should mention that, is sort of a calling from within, which actually is already encoded in us, a calling to really want to do this journey. Mm of going closer to the light. So the truth is, if you are mindful, you know, when you have the Shabbat or when you're doing prayer, you become mindful, you become aware that there is this continuous ache within oneself, a longing, a thirst. And every tradition talks about it. Like the Buddhists say, here I am in Soga Ponak, and yet my heart longs for Soga Ponak. What is it I want? There is this yearning. Muslims say, uh, there's a kiss we want all our lives. A touch of spirit on the body. Mm. And that starts the awakening. And this is part of the grand design. So I'll end, end by saying this wonderful insight that, you know, this is part of the divine mystery that we are foredoomed to slumber so we can awaken. Foredoomed to forget so you can remember. And that begins the journey of awakening. So, is there any relationship between the seven levels and the chakra system? Since there are seven levels in the uh, Hindu chakra system. Uh, I'm sure there must be, because seven being such a holy number. Right. But without consciously, I guess, corresponding to right. that, uh, it, it, it is very likely seven deadly sins and, you know, uh, seven days of the week. Right. Uh, yes, I think seven is a very unusually, remarkably mysterious number. And you know, from which comes its cliche. We've talked about it. I am in seventh heaven. Right. Thomas Merton had a book called The Seven-Story Mountain. Yes. Which, same thing, I think. Right. I mean, the same idea. When you say vision, Jamal. Yes. You're talking about, are you talking about a dream that the prophet had or a, a mystical experience that he had that he related? Um, you say there's both a horizontal and a... Perpendicular. Yes. Yeah. What happened was he was actually meditating mm. in Mecca, and he was quite confused whether he was still in meditation or he came out of it, but he had this clear sense of being transported 
was it a vision? Was it actually happening? He wasn't clear about it, but a, a clear, palpable sense of being transported, first of all, horizontally, mm -hmm. and then vertically. Wow. And that has many, many, many symbolisms, this journey. Right. Wow. Well, one, one of the symbolisms being something we experience in Israel. The question was asked, is asked by a lot of Muslim sages, why did Prophet Muhammad first have to travel mm. from Mecca to Jerusalem and then ascend the seven levels of heaven? Why couldn't he do it from Mecca? Surely he could have done from Mecca. Right. So the insight is that for heaven to come down to earth, God is conveying a message that first of all unite the house of Ismail with the house of Isaac. Mm -hmm. Then heaven will come down to earth. That's why he made that journey. That's one of the insights. So, in other words, the, the whole process of trying to understand the experience of the other, whether it's uh, a Jew and a Muslim or a Christian or a Buddhist or a Hindu, it's all sort of conveyed in that sense that Jerusalem is a kind of an image of, well, all the Psalms of Ascent talk about going up to Jerusalem to experience that community that we long for so much. That's one of the insights. The other insight, uh, which is a major one, is that to be happy in life, to really become a more complete human being, to evolve into the fullness of your being, the journey is a, is a twofold journey. The horizontal journey from uh, Mecca to Jerusalem is the journey in the visible world. You know, having two cars in a garage, mortgages, be involved with the world. And the other journey is that vertical, that work in the invisible world. Mm. And the secret is, work equally in the visible and invisible worlds. If you work only in the visible world, then the mystics say you're nothing more than a wretched employee. <laughs> and if you work only in the invisible world, then the question is, why are you here on planet Earth? So you've got to balance the two, visible right. and invisible worlds. It's always the challenge for those people who are interested in spirituality to remember to bring it down to Earth and to walk it into their lives and to act it. And not only to do it in their own process, yes. as well as those who are active in the world to allow themselves a deeper awareness of those, as you describe it, Jamal, the, the deeper impulses within us, which are really built-in yearnings to help us remember that we are more than simply uh, this bag of bones and this personality this conditional self that we have constructed to meet the specific world we find. So we are going to be continuing. You're listening to Interfaith Talk Radio. We're going to be continuing this hour to talk about the nature of spiritual awakening within our traditions as well as personally. You are about to hear some messages from those people who allow us to talk to you each week. So we'll be back in a moment. Church of Christ wants you to know about the God is Still Speaking campaign, a national effort to let everyone know that this denomination welcomes everyone, no matter what, to the worship of God and the service of the church. We believe that God has much, much more to tell us about the good news of the gospel of Jesus and about what love can do to help us with this beautiful but troubled world. To find out more, log on to www.ucc.org slash index.php. We wish you blessings for your life. 
you suffer from stress, headaches, back pain, digestive pain, or other chronic problems? Allow Sue Woodward to help you realize the vitality and wholeness your body naturally wants to express using gentle, restorative methods. Sue invites you to call her at the Acupuncture and Healing Arts Clinic for a free consultation. 425-451-8129. That's 425-451-8129. The University Congregational United Church of Christ, located at 4515 16th Avenue Northeast, right across from the Burke Museum, wants you to know that it is a liberal and inclusive congregation waiting to welcome you to worship, education, fellowship, and service. We need your help to say yes to God's purposes. For more information, log on to universityucc.org. That's universityucc.org. Or call 206-524-2322. That's 206-524-2322. Are you ready for the 12-minute Simone's Own Miracle? Transform any self-defeating internal images into spectacular masterpieces of happiness and success in only 12 minutes. The Simone Zone is a revolutionary empowerment technique that uses cutting-edge audiovisual technology. Get ready to shift negative energy and change it to positive energy now. Visit thesimonezone.com and try this free technique. That's thesimonezone.com. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to discover what's preventing you or your business from obtaining your goals, dreams, and vision. The Inquiring Mind is your partner. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. as Stephanie Durham, professional life coach, presents ACES. Authenticity, choices, empowerment, and success. Spanning 25 years of successful business tenure, in addition to over four years of training with Caroline Mace at the CMED Institute, Stephanie's authenticity and vast knowledge helps you objectively explore wise choices with her finely attuned facilitator skills, leading you to personal empowerment and ultimate success. Do you know you have power to create what you want in your life and in business? You do. This message will self-absorb in five seconds. information, call us toll-free at 1-866-461-6463. Talk radio with a difference. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And you're back with Interfaith Talk Radio. A rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor sharing our passion for spirituality and for an interfaith spiritual quest. And we're talking about the nature of awakening. We've agreed at the beginning of our show tonight that we're not going to cover the topic entirely. We're going to leave a few things for Mm -hmm. another show. Um, One of the paradigms within the Jewish tradition is the story of Jacob. Uh, And there's really two dreams that Jacob has. The first one is the dream of the ladder or the staircase. Jacob is out. It's the first time he's out on his own. And it's like he's fleeing from what he imagines is the anger. Well, he knows it's the anger, but the violence that will be directed toward him by Esau because he stole, he took the blessing that was meant for the firstborn that was meant for Esau. And Rebecca, his mother, who has set up the whole thing, tells him he better get out of town. So he takes off. 
And I just imagine that he's not real happy. Um, he's pretty much been a homeboy. His brother's a man of the field. I mean, for Esau to go out and spend nights out in the wilderness would be no big thing. For Jacob, it's a big thing. And it describes, he comes on a place, and he settles down for the night, and he dreams. And he sees, uh, and it's hard to know, the Hebrew is sulam. So it's, we translate ladder or staircase. We don't know exactly what it looks like, because the, the Torah just didn't come illustrated. Uh, I imagine some kind of staircase, and it says it connects, connecting earth to heaven. And he sees angels walking up and down on the staircase. And he experiences the presence of the eternal with him. And the eternal, I mean, the, the clear message he gets is, I am always with you. I'm with you. I'm with you now. I'm with you always. And he wakes up from the dream and he says, how awesome is this place? I, so much was here and I didn't know it. This is nothing but the house of God and the gateway to heaven. Kind of reflecting the nature of every awakening because the awakening is always to the now mm -hmm. and it's to the more that was that is present in the now that we had been unconscious to like it's all here this is always the gateway to god the gateway to heaven the gateway to higher awareness but most of the time we're going around unconscious we think we're conscious but there's so much we're asleep to. And the problem with being asleep is we never know we're asleep until we wake up. Then we wake up and we can go, ah, I was asleep. It's one of the reasons I assume that most of the time I must be asleep. Because there's always more happening in this moment than I am not aware of. And how can I find a way of supporting the growth, the expansion of that awareness to see what else is going on. Now, the angels going up and down the ladder, just, um, I'd offer one interpretative vision on that because an angel in Hebrew, malach, means messenger or angel. We don't know exactly what. We don't know what it, it was they meant in those ancient times when they said angel. Certainly it wasn't this uh, kind of cute, chubby being with wings, you know, shooting arrows. Um, but I imagine that the, the real impact of that was that the beings whom Jacob saw going up and down the stairs... And each of those stairs representing a rung of being, a level of awareness, a level of consciousness, a level of unfolding. I imagine that he could have seen each of those beings with his own face. And seeing how his face appeared at each of those levels. Like at the lower levels, the set face, the contracted expression. You know, and then higher up 
just watching how the face started glowing and opening and the eyes are opening and the sense of wonder and the sense of fullness just as a way of reflecting that each of us exists on all those possible levels, all those possible rungs, all those possible stairs. And we are no less holy when we're on a low stair because we go up and down. And the marvelous thing about that image is we don't go up and just stay up. Mm -hmm. We go up and we go down. We go up and we go down. And there are our companions on the way with you know who are also going up and down and i see that as part of our relationship where one of you can be up when i'm at one of the lower rungs and remind me and vice versa so, so are angels at every level uh, you sort of said there's steps of it, you know it doesn't indicate it doesn't say it just uh -huh. says he sees angels going up and down uh -huh. on the stairway which would indicate that they 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 are at mm -hmm. each level but yes. there's not it doesn't say how many stairs there are mm -hmm. yeah, i i very much uh, was fascinated by the point about uh, of being present being in the now uh-huh you know the insight in all the traditions that why is it so important to be in the now well because divine qualities are able to flow only to the present moment it's almost like when you're in the now present moment it's a very angelic moment right it's filled with those angelic qualities does judaism talk specifically about angels like in islam you believe in five things you believe in god number one and number two is angels we we have in the rabbinic literature which is more contemporaneous with the quranic literature uh, -huh. uh the development of an angelology i see and uh angels get named like there are prime angels that are the image is we are surrounded by angels there's one tradition where there are two angels that accompany us through our entire life right only sometimes we're not aware of them and sometimes we are aware of them then there's a tradition that there are four major major angels gavriel uh, uh michael is the primary then gavriel says at the right hand is Michael, at the left hand is Gavriel. Behind us is Raphael, uh, the angel of healing. In front of us is Uriel, the angel of light or the angel of vision. And then all around us is the presence of God. Beautiful imagery, yes. And then, of course, there are folk, in, in the folk uh, customs and folk beliefs, <laughs> Uh, of our people there are more personal relationships with angels and then there's Elijah who is like a cross between some kind of angelic presence and prophetic presence who kind of wanders through history appearing as often uh, almost like a homeless person but bringing wisdom and healing wherever he goes so what does in your traditions what does the word angel point to in terms of some kind of real i mean some level of reality or something i mean i i'm you know i'm fast i i, I i'm really harmonizing with you on right. this but i just wonder 
What is the... Well, there's two things. One, the angel is the messenger. Mm -hmm. And the tradition is that every angel has one task. Hmm. So that an angel comes to fulfill that task. It's like an energy. And so there'd be an angel of the weather or an angel of the wind or... Mm -hmm. um, then there's a tradition in the Kabbalistic literature, in the heart of the Jewish mystical tradition, that at one of the levels, one of the worlds of, of emanation mm -hmm. is where angels live. Ah. And that's where angelic presences are. So then you'll have stories, uh, that a way of understanding, for example, the prophet Isaiah, who is writing probably around the time of the Babylonian exile in the 6th century BCE, who has an image of angels singing praise to God. Oh, you know, that's where yeah, he sees them I see, I see. standing up on their toes every time they say, holy, holy, holy is the eternal one of all being. That's so interesting because in Islam, the Islamic prayer comes from Prophet Muhammad seeing those angels as he was ascending the seven levels of heaven right. and seeing them prostrating to God and saying, Oh God, praise be to you and thank you. Right. And that the idea came that a prayer must consist of praising God and thanking God and using the gift of a body to express this adoration. So the term guardian angel, um, which is a kind of almost a cultural term, actually has a theological significance in the, in the sense that we're talking about that there is a, a reality beyond us that is concerned about our the direction of our lives mm -hmm. and our well-being and so forth. Right. Some would say that there are levels of manifestation <clears throat> beyond those who manifest as physical bodies. So there may be those who are manifesting as what we would perceive or others perceive to be angels. And we would like to ask all you angels out there to... <laughs> Uh, listen to the words of some of our angels, our sponsors who allow us to be here. And stay with us as we continue to explore on Interfaith Talk Radio, the deeper nature of Interfaith Quest. people who come to a Unity Church feel like they've come home. We invite you to one of the many great Puget Sound Unity Churches in Bellevue, Edgewood, Kent, Linwood, Seattle, or Woodenville. For links to these Unity Churches and others, visit unity.org. We welcome you to join us at Unity of Woodenville. Visit unityofwoodenville.org. Kirk Pipkin joins the Dr. Pat Show, introducing his new documentary, Nobelity, combining the insights of nine distinguished Nobel laureates. This documentary features conversations with these laureates and gives their insight into the world's most pressing problems and possible solutions. Powerfully motivating, Pipkin's journey across the world reveals how one person can change the world, and every person has the opportunity to do so. For more information, please visit nobelitythemovie.com or call 1-800-424-2593. Transform your relationship to money and transform your life. Karen Ramsey is back with her groundbreaking... 
Caring for Your Soul in Matters of Money seminar on Thursday, December 7th from 6 to 9.45 p.m. in Seattle. Go to CaringMoney.com to register for the Dr. Pat listener discount of $99. Uncover your money baggage, create a new money message, and discover what your soul is calling you to do. Visit CaringMoney.com. The Empowerment Partnership. Empowering the lives of thousands of people around the world just like you. Their mission is to empower you with an understanding of what makes you and others tick and to teach you the tools and techniques that will unlock your hidden gifts. The Empowerment Partnership. Whatever you think you are, you're more than that. To learn more, call 1-800-800-MIND or go to www.nlp.com. Mention the Dr. Pat Show to receive a special discount. Are you yearning to live a more fully expressed and joyful life? Do you want to explore and discover what ignites your heart? Heart Ignited is a potent coaching process created by Deborah Tracci, a life and transition coaching pioneer. Tune into the Dr. Pat Show to learn more about this unique process. Go to heartignited.com or call 206-236-6100 to learn more. That's heartignited.com or 206-236-6100. Are you ready to kick your life up a notch? Tired of just surviving? The award-winning Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By, is your way to living the life you want without regrets, without limitations. This empowering, inspirational show with dynamic host Dr. Pat Basile will leave you shouting, yes, I can. Dr. Pat is a master career and belief coach, dynamic seminar leader, and creator of Crust Busting. Listen to the Dr. Pat Show on AM 1150 KKNW, Monday through Friday, 11 to noon, and worldwide on www.thedrpatshow.com. Click the show's page on 1150kknw.com for the scoop on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back to Interfaith Talk Radio. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor coming to you every week on Monday afternoon from 5 to 6 on KKNW 1150 AM. You can find out more about us on our website, interfaithtalkradio.com. And you can tell people across the country that they can hear us live streaming over the Internet, and that link uh, can be found on Interfaith Talk Radio. I would like to say a few words about Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue, where I am the rabbi. Just to mention that Beit Aleph is an intentional spiritual community based on the deep wisdom teachings and texts and rituals of Jewish tradition. And just to extend an invitation to anyone curious to discover what that means and to discover whether what we do and what we share as a community, whether that will support your own spiritual journey. You're welcome to come to discover whether our community be, can be of service to you. You can find information about Beit Aleph at, on the internet at jewishspiritualcommunity.com jewishspiritualcommunity.com remembering that you don't have to be Jewish to come to Beit Aleph. And we're back talking about the spiritual experience. And Pastor Don, it's your turn. Thank you, Rabbi Ted. I'm, I'm going to use an example that's a little bit different, but uh, has aspects in common with what each of you has said. Um, 
I'm going to focus for a minute on the Sermon on the Mount, which is uh, actually a collection of probably aphorisms or, or punchlines from other things that may have been said by Jesus, um, probably in a teaching setting where um, at least one of the places where we three have been, actually, at the Mount of the Beatitudes is a, a setting uh, high overlooking the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias. And... Um, the interesting thing is the text says he he sits down to teach, which must have been a tradition of the rabbis maybe in those days. But that's the first, the last thing that's said before the next eight verses, which are the Beatitudes, which in some ways represent a series of rungs. Um, they're um, the things that begin, blessed are, meaning... Full of happiness and the joy of fulfillment, not the joy of haha or I feel good, but something far more substantial than that. Um, um, then the next thing that happens is are these verses. Jesus says, "You are the salt of the earth," and he talks about the nature of salt for a minute, and then he says something about light. Finishing with, you are the light of the world. And it's one of those sections of scripture that if you've heard it many times, and that's a pretty familiar text, it can go right through your head and not really register. Um, and, and it, you know, the, the salt image, you've heard people say, oh, that person's the salt of the earth. What does that mean? I mean, it, in my mind, at least, that's a phrase that sort of points to something, a person has strong character, um, so forth. Um, I think, if you think about what salt would, would have been doing in the time of Jesus, it was used to keep food from spoiling. Mm. So if we are salt, one possible interpretation is that part of our task as human beings is to keep things on track or keep things from spoiling or keep things from drifting and um but it comes right on the right after all these beatitudes which really point to a profoundly countercultural sense of what life is to be all about blessed are the meek for example the word meek in greek means not shy and retiring but humble inclusive and uh, a strength of character and and yet we think of somehow we think of the word meek as someone who shrinks from duty even or from the light or whatever so the beatitudes really point to a life and it's the same thing that each of you has been talking about that there are levels of reality we live on a kind of um a level where often, as Ted and, and you, Jamal, have said, we're asleep. We're not really uh, awake to these things. And what this text says is that there are other levels of reality that we need to be open to. The The part about light, salt and light, then, not only suggests a way of being, but points to things like the political and social consequences of a spiritual awakening. So that if human beings are called to keep things on track and so forth, that has to do with, I mean, that has directly to do then with things like human and civil rights for all people, full access to all those things, for the care of the earth, for nonviolence and so forth, and things that we have talked about 
before. And um, it, it, it's not an accident, of course, that Jesus was a rabbi. He knew that text about Jacob. Um, he would have resonated with um, the prophet Muhammad's vision of the horizontal journey and then the perpendicular journey. Um, and that's where I think we three often connect at that, at that level of, of talking about how easy it is in human experience to be asleep to the, the um, real substance of human experience. And when we wake up, only when we wake up, as you've said, do we realize we've been asleep. Uh, the song, The Darkest Hours Just Before Dawn, The Narrow Way Leads Home, to me is a good illustration of cultural memory of that because we do forget that and and um and we forget how wonderful it is when we wake up and something has happened to show us uh how important it is for us to stay on the track and when we do that we become light for others but the don when jesus says uh, you are the salt of the earth right. and you're also the light mm -hmm. is this about the truth that like the quran says that God made you from water and clay and then infused you with divine breath. So in other words, a human being has that salt, the earth quality, and also preserves and helps preserve uh, in relationship to others, but also has that, what, Jesus light, that Christ, the, the Christ nature light, the divine light, is that what it means? The divine light, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think that those are both ways of making concrete or palpable mm -hmm. or accessible um, these these things that are so important about human experience that mm -hmm. without which we do kind of drift and we we become uh, lonely, isolated, afraid, unhappy, and so forth. Um, so where does original sin come into this then? <laughs> Jamal, you didn't really ask me that, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, do we have another hour? To, uh, I mean, you know, I think that's one of the most, that's a great question. I mean, it's so important. And I think that in Christian experience, you know, in the Christian experience, that can be a source of both enlightenment and guilt and all kinds of things. I, my sense about original sin is that it's, it's, it's a way of trying to understand what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. That we are created as as beings that in contrast to our sense of the divine we are incomplete we're not you know we, we make mistakes i mean that we're asleep we do these things this is this is how we were made it can't be that we were made contrary to god's wishes and yet but but, but it, you can under, one can understand that phrase original sin to be we were created so imperfectly that there's only one way to come back from that. Mm. And from a Christian point of view, sometimes people say it's the Christian way. I don't say that. I say there's a, there are different ways to ascend the mountain. And when we get to the top, we'll all be together. Uh, I'm a Christian. I was born that way. Uh, I find uh, lots of guidance in that thing, and that's what I am. But you were born as a Muslim, Jamal, and Ted, you were born as a Jew. And we talk to each other, we can communicate with each other because these things that go beyond the facade of religion have substance that connects at all these different levels. So, 
part of what you're saying is we'll leave original sin for another show. <laughs> Some other which, time. You know, which I look forward to that. Yeah, yes. I would too. Um, I was thinking about the image of the cross. And I was thinking of it in terms of a vertical and a horizontal. Mm -hmm. And just imagining that that horizontal could be at any point on a vertical pole. So it could be at a low point, one could then say, if that was rungs on a ladder or levels of heaven. Mm -hmm. It could be on the first level, the second level, the third level, the fourth level, the fifth level. Let's say sure. there's seven. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it doesn't matter however yeah. many stages there are or an infinite number of, of levels. And sometimes when I look at the, like the simplest would be just the X, the cross. Right. Mark, right. Where, where it's right in the middle. Mm -hmm. And that's like in the middle of the human being, in the middle of the body. That's where the energy is in the hara, in the, in the belly. Right. And, and a lot of traditions focus on that. And it's not that that's right, it's not that it's wrong. There is life mm -hmm. there. And then uh, the way the symbol is in the Christian tradition is like at the heart level. You know, which seems to me as a visual representation of this tradition is meant to express mm. the energies of the heart level. Mm -hmm. And the cross was meant to be that as a symbol and somehow got translated into a different kind of symbol. You know, a symbol of suffering and a symbol of... Um, Repression. For non-Christians. Ultimately, yeah. right, a reflection, reflected that way. Right. If that's so, then one can imagine that that uh, horizontal on the vertical of the cross is moves up and down. Mm. It's not just static. Mm. And that our goal is to mm -hmm. free it up. Mm -hmm. You see, it depends on development then, right. as it arises, not, as not, we develop. But not just have it stay up there, right. because we are meant to touch mm -hmm. the earth as well. Right. So our goal is to be able to move freely up mm -hmm. and down, mm -hmm. whether it's that ladder or the vertical post of the cross. Mm -hmm. While you're traveling uh, up and down the levels of your consciousness, we're going to take a moment to listen to our sponsors. This is Interfaith Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. Transform your relationship to money and transform your life. Karen Ramsey is back with her groundbreaking Caring for Your Soul in Matters of Money seminar on Thursday, December 7th from 6 to 9.45 p.m. in Seattle. Go to CaringMoney.com to register for the Dr. Pat listener discount of $99. Uncover your money baggage, create a new money message, and discover what your soul is calling you to do. Visit CaringMoney.com. How healthy is your beauty salon? Mode Organic Salon is Seattle's premier organic beauty salon. Our trained professionals specialize in providing organic and natural hair, skin, nail, and cosmetic services customized to your specific attributes and lifestyle. Visit modeorganic.com or call 206-623-0195 to schedule. Mention the Dr. Pat Show and get 15% off your first service. For beauty that's more than skin deep, visit Mode Organic Salon. 
Okay, everyone, listen up. Dr. Pat brings you her favorite organic wines from the Organic Wine Company, direct to you for this limited time special offer. Would you like to enjoy the luscious taste of natural grapes grown with love for the land and tantalizing your taste buds at the same time? Well, Dr. Pat has selected three of her favorite wines for only $49, a 40% savings. Visit www.thedrpatshow.com and click on Dr. Pat's Picks for this special offer. Or you can call 1-888-326-9463. Hi, this is Dr. Scott Lynch from Crown Hill Chiropractic. Starting Wednesday, November 22nd, we are offering a special promotion for the Dr. Pat listeners where you can go into an office near you and have a complimentary, i.e. free, wellness checkup for your child. Call me at 206-782-8800 or email me at info at crownhillchiropractic.com for an office near you. This offer has been extended to the end of the year, so don't wait. Call Dr. Scott Lynch today. Hey, Julie, where have you been? Benny, I just returned from a fabulous seminar with Karen Ramsey, learning about how my relationship to money is holding me back from living the life I want. Well, I can't seem to save enough money to contribute to an IRA these days, but I think, you know, it's just too late to start now. Well, Benny, I see that you just bought yourself a latte this morning, and how many times a day do you do that? Uh, I'd say like two or three times a day, but I mean, seriously, what's your point, Julie? Uh, If you save the money you spend on just one latte a day, you'd easily be able to contribute $1,400 dollars a year to your IRA. No kidding. I never thought about it that way. Well, Karen Ramsey says it's never too late to start no matter where you are. And the sooner you start, the better. Well, you know, that's fine with people with money, but how can someone like me afford financial advice from someone like Karen Ramsey? Well, you don't need to be wealthy to get excellent financial advice. In fact, why not tune into her new show beginning October 12th and learn about the myths about money that keep us from living the lives we're meant to live. And visit her on the web at caringmoney.com. That's caring money.com this station is alternative talk 1150 a.m and welcome back to interfaith talk radio i'm rabbi ted falcon i'm brother jamal rahman and i'm pastor don mckenzie and we are here with you every monday afternoon on kknw 1150 a.m alternative talk radio Uh, Continuing a deepening dialogue on the nature of spirituality and interfaith spirituality in particular. And we've been talking about the spiritual quest, the nature of spiritual awakening. I do want to let you know before we continue that conversation that next week we are going to have as a guest Ari Cowan, who um, is the director of an organization called Advita that has been doing... And he has created incredible programs supporting nonviolence, programs that he's brought into prisons with incredible results. And I would encourage you, those of you who are listening, to let your friends know because Ari is a, a good friend and a wonderful teacher, an inspirational teacher. And we're looking forward to being able to share with him on, on this show. So in the remaining time we have tonight, I thought I would invite Brother Jamal and Pastor Don to let all our listeners know exactly what they have to do to attain <laughs> um, uh, enlightenment and spiritual awareness. Besides climbing a ladder, you mean. This, Well, this is the moment when you have to be, it, it, we should be on TV because your face <laughs> has to be seen when you say something like that. <laughs> but course, I, I, yes, please. We do have the answer, so go of ahead. Of course, we, yes, yes. I mean, uh, this is the, um, 
the real work of climbing the ladder. And from the Islamic perspective, I want to say it's a twofold work. The Quran talks about the nafs, something we have touched upon many times in this show. That is a little ego. And the Quran says that there are three stages. And it is essential that we transform ourselves from a nafs or ego that inclines sometimes towards wrongdoing. Then you move on to a nafs that understands choices. And then finally, a nafs that is at peace. And as you do this work that Prophet Muhammad calls die before you die, that is die to your little self before you die a physical death, as you do this, the Quran says there comes a cry or a, a vibration from within you that bubbles up from the depths of your being which is manifested in a cry that says, please, oh God, open for me my heart. And so concurrent with the work of transforming the ego comes the work of really being open, being uh, motivated, inspired to remove all those stone walls around the heart and just break open the heart through joy and especially by a lot of practices, but especially by embracing your 10,000 joys of life and 10,000 sorrows of life. That's the hardest, hardest work yeah. of all. It's interesting. Sometimes I'm reminded that it, it gets very simple. It's on an ego level... What we all want is more. Mm -hmm. And we can never have enough. On a spiritual level, like what do I need in order to awaken? The answer is this. Ultimately, whatever is happening in my life at this moment is providing the perfect context for my awakening. So you're saying every single aspect of life is a spiritual practice. It is the context mm -hmm. for awakening. Right. And the lesser self, mm -hmm. the more contracted, exclusive self, gets so caught up in the conditions, whether they be good or bad, mm -hmm. that it's very difficult for that self to allow the conditions to support something greater. So, in order to, I mean, the work and, and is to be paying attention, right? So that we recognize, or over time, through practice and so forth, we recognize the opportunity in every moment for an awakening. Yeah, and as Jamal says, to embrace that which every moment is bringing us, which is the most difficult mm -hmm. Of practices, but that literally is a spiritual practice. Like we always say, if it's pain or suffering, you know, all the great sages say, don't run towards pain and suffering, just don't run away from it. That's the key. Amen. To be able to embrace that. And yet, is that a message that we hear from, I mean, in our culture? I mean, not, I mean, that's why the work is so hard, because yes. somehow the message I get from the culture is, if you just buy right. X, Y, and Z, you can be the person you dream of becoming. In other words, it's that thing of thinking, I, I just had that other thing, that feeling of being incomplete that drives that. Uh, the feeling that, as you have said, Ted, that Jacob must have had when he coveted his brother's, twin brother's birthright. If I just had that, I could be the person I dreamed right. of becoming. Right. And what you're saying is, none of that is 
makes any difference if we can be paying attention to the moment and begin through practice. And it's hard over time to begin to recognize the opportunities for spiritual awakening in every second of human experience. Right. And that's part of what we need spiritual partners for. Mm -hmm. Because it's much easier for me to perceive that possibility in your life <laughs> than it is for me to perceive it in mine. Because I collapse into my moments of contraction just as everyone else does. It's unavoidable. And that's not a mistake. That's part of the process. That's what yes. So that's why I would say that besides those very, very precious and valuable qualities to cultivate that we always talk about compassion, particularly compassion for oneself, awareness, continuous second-by-second -second awareness, also, like both of you have saying, community. And I'm going to be talking about authentic community. How powerful, how necessary that, that is. A loving community. Yes. Yeah. Like Buddha would say, find friends who love the truth. And this, more than anything else, is going to determine your happiness. And there are political and social consequences of, of this work. And that's part of our work, too. Yes. Um, but it's, it's so... And we don't approach this one at, one, one at a time, in a way. But, but I think that as a social activist, the three of us, we're always in need of being reminded mm -hmm. that we're not called to change the world. We're called to do our work mm -hmm. and to talk about these things with the hope that they will invade the political and social life of the world, so to speak, and... and um, just as the things that have driven us have invaded it. Right, and to find ways of communicating to ourselves and to others that whatever energy we, with whatever energy we pursue our goals, that energy will be reflected in the goals as well. So if we pursue with anger, if we pursue aggressively, that which we manifest mm -hmm. will have anger as part of it and will have that aggression as part of it. Mm -hmm. And the difficult, I mean, part of the difficulty is really pursuing peace peacefully, mm -hmm. pursuing love lovingly, giving to another that which we most wish to receive from them. And we get to look at our own lives and discover what is the teaching that is being called for through me in this moment. So from an integrated wise being, if we do this spiritual work, will flow an integrated wise outer action. It'll reflect that as long as we do the work. But I would say also besides that, if it increases our awareness, we really we see things at a higher level. Like the Quran says when a lot of problems are happening, to have that awareness is not that their eyes have become blind, their hearts have become blind. Right, and as you've said often, uh, Jamal, we don't see the world as it is. Yes. We see the world as we are. That's right. And the hidden dimension is the dimension of projection. We project out onto each other and out onto our world so much of our own selves and a lot of what we project are not the good parts not the parts we're comfortable with but the parts we're uncomfortable with which is part of the spiritual journey as well to learn how to embrace both the comforts and the distresses this is interfaith talk radio 
We seek to explore with you some of the issues which are not so easy to find simple and easy answers for, but which represent the significant quest of a lifetime. We look forward to seeing you next week. We wish you a week of shalom, salam, peace.